rejoice in thy goodness and new life and in the preservation of life continue to give thy favor towards them and us and hear us lord we pray thee in the redeemer's name amen you may be seated We turn to Numbers chapter 20, verse 1, in our expository series through the wilderness wanderings as they are recorded for us in the book of Numbers, Numbers 20, and we will uh, camp, as it were, on verse 1. Then came the children of Israel even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. There were very many who were laid to rest uh, of the children of Israel, not in the promised land as they should have been laid to rest, and would have been laid to rest in in that holy land that was promised to the fathers. And where their ancestors who had faith in God and sojourned in a land of promise as though they themselves were strangers, remember that there were those precious ones there in the soil resting until the resurrection. Abraham and Sarah themselves in the sepulcher that belonged to those heathen but was sold to them, fair and square. Abraham would not take it as a free gift. And even Joseph's bones, orders were made to be brought that they should be there. But no, many Hebrews uh, were laid to rest, indeed dropped dead in the desert, Some of them uh, dying in a most horrific way, as we've recently seen, the very ground opening up its mouth and consuming them whole. But so many of them were relatively unknown, at least to us, not so with Miriam. When they came to Kadesh, Miriam died there and was buried there not in the land of promise, but so close, so close, and yet so far. We consider this afternoon, dear friends, as we continue in this series, this death of Miriam. First, as we remember Miriam, We consider that her death was national news. The very text indicates this to us, and it's not at all surprising. She was a a notable figure within the nation. This uh, this death uh, stood out. This woman had been identified very clearly, head and shoulders, above so many others, even so many men. 
because of the distinctiveness uh, that the Lord had assigned to her and given her a role, as we shall see, on the stage of redemptive history. She was not an insignificant individual. Now, uh, the very nations, of course, they would have viewed her as but an escaped slave and not worth any attention whatsoever. But at least to the pious Hebrews, this was a, a passing of great weight and importance. Her death was national news among the people of God. Second, she would have been special even if she had been generally unknown, like so many others of her own people. She was, after all, born within the chosen nation. That itself is so very distinguishing. What nation is like this nation, whom God has, has with, a, with a stretched out arm and a mighty hand, He has redeemed them, and He brought them as on eagles' wings to Himself, and gave them His law and entered into covenant with them. He has not done this with any nation like Israel. Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. This is who you are. This is who, this is who Miriam belonged to, even if she had not had the prominence of being related to whom she was related to and having been a given a kind of a stage on which to move and to act under God in faith, she would have been special even if she had been generally unknown. It wasn't long ago when one of our own brought me to a very old cemetery down in what I believe was a lower Cape May County, the Cold Spring Presbyterian Church, a very, very old Presbyterian Church, and as it was uh, customary for churches back in the 1700s and, and earlier, there were cemeteries. People were laid to rest in the very place where, where they went and worshiped God, and it was striking to us, and this is not so very uncommon when we go to old places where there's a testimony of better days, the tombstones speak volumes. They spent money on those extra letters to testify to their only hope in life and death being the Lord Jesus Christ, who with His precious blood redeemed them from sin and death. giving distinct testimony and the hope of the resurrection. I know that my Redeemer lives, and I will see Him when He stands on the earth in the latter day. Now, I didn't know any of their names. Well, there was one. And really, I only know 
knew that it was special once I was told, well, this was, this was the first pastor of this place, so I looked it up, and well, I suppose he was indeed a prominent uh, minister. But otherwise, these are unknown to me, and yet, though unknown, oh, so very known, because we are all a part of the spiritual Israel of God, I on earth, and they having entered their reward. And so, Christian, don't worry too much if you don't make a name for yourself in the kingdom of God. doesn't matter if the very devils are subject to you. What really matters is whether your names are written in heaven. Even if not in the who's who of Christian leaders, prayer warriors, missionaries, Just make sure you're inside. Just make sure your name is not just on the church books, but in God's book. And then keep your head down and serve the Lord and serve your generation. And if you don't seek your own glory, rather you seek the praise that comes from God the Father... He will openly acknowledge you. So zip the lip and do your work and serve the Lord in your generation. Miriam died there and was buried there. And that would have been special enough simply to have lived and died and laid to rest within the chosen nation, however sinful, however rebellious, however scarred and pockmarked by all the destruction that they brought upon themselves, yet still they belonged to the visible church. Still they belonged to Jehovah. And you know, Miriam would have been special even if her name had been unknown in that generation or in ours, because she was not just born within the chosen nation, she was born to believing parents. You see, being in the first does not apply the second. But there's no doubt that Amram and Yaakoved, that they were in the hall of faith. It's right there, Hebrews 11, 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith. Amram and Yaakoved. And we only know their names because of who they brought into the world. And yet, they were known to the Lord. They had that faith, that true faith. Let's not make a mistake when we read these words. It looks as though it's speaking of Moses' faith in this instance, but that's not the case. It was their faith. And Miriam was born to believing parents. And what a privilege it is when one has 
parents that believe the Lord Jesus Christ and want to serve him and are the real deal. And that makes you special. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy? That means marked. Doesn't necessarily mean regenerate. Oh no, the children of even the most godly believers come into this world with sin. My precious little grandson, I hear again and again, he's so perfect, and he is. But not in a spiritual sense. We all know that, don't we? Because it won't be long before, oh, Thomas becomes Thomas. We know that because the Bible teaches us and our own experience confirms that, dear friends. But it sets out that child. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Boys and girls, you are set aside. The Lord Jesus has put his name upon you. The waters of baptism came with words. What were those words? You are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You belong to Jesus. You don't belong to anyone else. Now give Jesus what belongs to him. Give him your heart. Boys and girls, it's never too young to give Jesus your heart. And don't wait to give him your heart. You need to give him your heart. Your heart is broken. Your heart is sinful. But he can heal your heart and he can forgive you and he can cleanse you and he can make you new and he can make you to walk worthy of that calling that the Lord has placed upon you. Well, as we look at Miriam's death, her death was national news. Second, she would have been special even if she had been generally unknown. But third, she would be remembered because of who she was and what she had done. She was Moses and Aaron's sister. It appears as that she was the firstborn. After this, Aaron, and then finally, Moses. Numbers 26, 59. And the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, whom her mother bare to Levi in Egypt. And she bare unto Amram, Aaron, and Moses, and Miriam, their sister. First Chronicles 6, 3. And the children of Amram, Aaron, and Moses, and Miriam. So by virtue simply alone of being Moses' sister, and Aaron's sister. We're not surprised of the recognition. But even more, she was, in all likelihood, a collaborator in the deliverance of the deliverer. <coughs> what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, this is what I mean. 
you go to Exodus chapter 2. Remember, boys and girls, the edict, the decree that had gone out that Hebrew baby boys, the very young ones, they were to be snatched from their mother's breasts and thrown into the river Nile. This was population control. The Chinese were not the first to do it. The U.S. was not the first to do it. And there went a man out of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to wit or to know what would be done unto him. Now, we have no other record of any other sister. Twice we have the three siblings named. And it would make perfect sense if Miriam was the firstborn, that she was the one who was there. She was sent by her mother to watch over. Imagine seeing your little baby brother. Things were so desperate. The persecution was so intense They could not conceal the crying. They are going to commit this child into the hands of Jehovah, who rules over the Nile River. But we are to trust the Lord and use means. So Miriam, you go. I can't do it. I'm the mother. You go and you watch over that child as there are beasts of prey all over the place and and as he might begin crying. And we will not say as luck would have it. There is no luck. Put that word out of your vocabulary, Christian. There is no such thing as luck. By divine providence, that basket drifts into the very area where the daughter of Pharaoh is bathing. And what does the sister do? She boldly goes up. This little Hebrew girl, this slave girl, boldly goes up to Pharaoh's daughter and asks, shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for me? And the rest, as you know, is history. In all likelihood, we're looking at Miriam, who was a likely collaborator in the deliverance of the deliverer. He was the chosen one who would deliver, but his very life was in jeopardy, even as the Lord Jesus Christ even as the serpent comes with great wrath to destroy the seed of the woman. But the Lord uses this young lady. She was a key witness, this Miriam, who was laid to rest in Kadesh. She was a key witness of Jehovah's mighty deeds. What she saw 
firsthand was the Old Testament gospel of redemption. She saw redemption. She had a front row seat. She saw these things happening before her eyes. She witnessed Moses being drawn out of the water. What shall his name be? Moses, for he was drawn out of the water. Calvin masterfully says that she had before her a picture of the resurrection. The chosen one, as good as dead, brought to life. And then she saw her brother and witnessed him come back. His brother was not dead at all. He came back and he was used by God. And with the staff, he did wonders. She saw the plagues. She saw the finger of God, the flies, the locusts, the frogs, the hail. She witnessed these things. She witnessed, of course, uh, the drowning of Pharaoh's army. These things we, we tell our children, boys and girls, she saw them with her own eyes. And that's what the gospel is. God's redemption witnessed. These things are not done in a corner. The Lord has bared His holy arm in the sight of the nations. And she could testify. She was something of a heroine, a mother in Israel. Micah goes so far as to put her uh, on par with her brothers. Micah 6, 4, for the Lord says, I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of bondage, and I sent before thee Moses and Aaron and Miriam. She led the celebration on the other side of the Red Sea and was an organ of the Holy Spirit's revelation, thus a prophetess. Hear the words of Exodus 15, 20, and 21. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with her timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Yet, her reputation, as we know, was tarnished by her rebellion against Moses. And a notorious punishment. You can read about this in Numbers 12. Miriam and Aaron uh, have a falling out with Brother Moses because of this Ethiopian woman whom he had married. And they say, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not also spoken by us? It would appear that Miriam even had a, a special hand in this rebellion because the Lord singles her out for a special judgment. What happens to her, boys and girls, 
she becomes leprous. Her body is struck with leprosy because she opposed the chosen one in pride. Moses intercedes for her. She is graciously restored, but not without first having put outside of the camp for seven days and the entire congregation did not journey until those seven days were over. What a, what a spectacle. What a fall from grace. Well, it's right there in black and white in Scripture. Let's not dress it up. Let's deal with the reality that God sets before us. As my father-in-law would often say, the good guys don't always wear white hats, and the bad guys don't always wear black ones. Sometimes it's, it's a mix. Yet, she was shown mercy. And let's not miss that. She was restored through the intercession of Moses. He pleaded as a picture of Christ interceding for his offending sister, that her nakedness, the nakedness of her sin would be covered over, and that the judgment, the curse would be lifted from her. And it was, not without chastisement. The Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that, let her be received in again. Then haven't we read something of this principle in our consecutive reading? That there are those within the church who fall into serious sin, and they will not listen, and they are disciplined and put out of the church, that they may come to repentance and be brought back in again. The Lord had mercy upon her. Like a thick cloud, He blotted out her iniquities. He did not strike her dead for her impertinence and her rebellion against her brother, Moses, who was more than just her brother. So easy to stumble at the stumbling block, isn't it? Isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? Don't we know him? But we have good reason to say, fourth and last, that she died in faith and in hope. I think in the judgment of charity. It seems only fair, based upon what we have, notwithstanding the great sin that is recorded there for us, and perhaps that should give us hope that not just a, a David and a Peter, men should have serious sins and fall from grace and be restored to the Lord, but here is a woman, a Christian woman, a, a mother in Israel who is known for her, her faith and her, her courage but the Lord had mercy. The 
These all died in faith. Miriam was laid to rest. But these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, we don't have the privilege of having Miriam's last will and testament. And God doesn't give us many things that we might be interested in or curious about, but He gives us just enough, doesn't He? And maybe some things are passed over in silence because that's actually the best for us after all. But we have reason to believe that she was laid to rest in faith and in hope as her father Amram and mother Jochebed. Some closing admonitions, brethren, honor your father and your mother. And here as God gives us occasion to place an accent this afternoon upon the honoring of the mother. Honor your mother's faith. By faith. In the first case, not by works, but by faith. We stand before God, and the just shall live by faith. They were saved by faith under the old economy with its types and shadows, as we are as well. The gospel was preached to them as it is to us. Honor. Honor Miriam and Sarah and J.L., Ruth and Naomi and Lydia, Mary, Magdalene, Mary, the mother of our Lord. The Lord includes uh, within His holy word these mothers, mothers of the faith. And if you have a mother who is a, a believer, then honor her faith. First and foremost, honor her courage. Faith works by love, and love is bold. There was a boldness to Jochebed. There was a boldness to Miriam. Certainly, we are to honor our mother's zeal, her God-centeredness, her praise. If indeed the Lord has blessed us with such a mother... She was fixed on God. I will sing unto the Lord, for He hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. The Lord is a man of war. Honor your mother's teaching and testifying. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Timothy knew from a child the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make us wise into salvation. How did he learn those Holy Scriptures? Well, in his case, he didn't have a godly father, but he did have a godly mother. 
and a godly grandma. And the word of God and the faith of God dwelt in Lois and Eunice and by the grace of God came into the life of young Timothy through the teaching and the testifying. Well, we have here Miriam with all her sins and her, her shameful, her shameful sin. Nevertheless, this is a mark that the Lord is pleased to cover over and to forgive. And the remaining is not to be discarded because there was this failure. If our mother has taught us, then let us be taught and let us honor that teaching. How many prodigals have been kept or at least called back because of the mother? John Newton, when he was on that ship in the midst of a storm and he was, he was pumping because uh, the water was, was flooding onto the deck of the ship, he heard words from Proverbs 1, which he had been taught to memorize by his mother. Because you called, because I called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand, but no man regarded. I will laugh at your calamity and I will mock when your fear comes. And those words came into his mind and, and remained there because of his mother. Well, God rescued him and he rescued him by his mother's teaching. Oh, Christian mothers, teach your children well. Bear children, but also bring them up. Don't just feed them and clothe them. Teach them. Model for them. Tell them the old, old stories. The real ones. The best ones. The Bible ones. And like Jochebed, labor after you labor to make daughters of Sarah and mothers of in Israel and be fruitful and multiply such daughters as God is pleased to bless and honor your mother's best, not her worst. You know, the Lord doesn't call upon us to be naive. He doesn't say just, Pretend like you didn't see it. He doesn't do that. He doesn't ask that of us. He, he, he gave us reason. Let us be honest and balanced about our parents, about our mothers, as well as all those who have gone before us, whether they are our literal mothers, our grandmothers, or mothers in the faith, There is such a thing as an excessive uh, worship, even, of those who have gone before. Now, that may not be quite as common in our society, but it's not altogether uh, without precedent in, in the sinful history of humanity. Certain Asian nations have had this great problem, the, the worship of ancestors. There's some relationships 
that even Christians can have with, with their mothers or, or fathers or anyone else in which they, they allow themselves to be almost a, a slave to them. Now, honor your father and mother, but don't worship them. If they're not setting a good example, if they're not teaching the good way, or if they are a godly woman, but they've fallen, or they're in a pattern of sin, well, as you are able and as it is proper, cover over that nakedness, but, but you're not called upon to put them higher than the Lord. But, Pastor, what if my mother is no Miriam at all? There's no faith to follow, no godly example to imitate. She's just a rebel through and through. It's not just Numbers 12. It's Numbers 13, 14, 15 for her, and chapters 1 to 11 before it. I've never known a time when she was actually believing and heroic and, and celebrating the Lord. And this may be a particular pain to you. Well, the kingdom has a ready supply for you. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. The Lord can give you mothers. And when the Lord takes away Perhaps you did have a godly mother, but the Lord has stricken her and He has removed her from you. She's not there anymore to give you counsel and encouragement. She testifies uh, from her memory, but no more. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And also... Christian women, we've spoken about your duty to, to, to nourish and to care for these, these little ones and to, to live in such a way as to shine before them. The memory of the just is blessed. Christian women, don't forget to mother your other daughters as you have opportunity. There are other ladies and different ones who who are needy and need that extra care and attention, and maybe, maybe you're at a stage in life when you've got more discretionary time. You're an empty nester. Use, use that gift to invest in other women and fashion them as God gives you grace that they may be daughters of Sarah. And receive, let us all receive, men, women, children, Miriam's witness 
because of what she witnessed. She saw the Lord's salvation. And isn't it striking that the Lord used a woman to bring the Savior into the world and she witnessed the very work of God's saving grace through her offspring, that it was women who were first at the sepulcher to see it is no longer there. Why seek ye the living among the dead? Well, so Miriam testifies, and she points to us. She points us to the Lord's redemption through Jesus Christ. And was she herself not a visible sign of God's free and pardoning mercy and the hope of resurrection? Believe. Believe her testimony. Indeed, believe the testimony of all those in that great cloud of witnesses who have gone before, who at times sinned, sometimes big time. And yet where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And let us follow their faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Please rise. O God, we thank Thee for all those whose lives have been recorded for us in Scripture, for those who rose to a prominence and who for good or evil have been set before us either to imitate or to avoid uh, their example. And Lord, we pray Thee that we would uh, absorb these things and that we would implement by faith what we have learned and God give us the faith of these who have gone before. And do Thou be faithful throughout all the generations. We pray it through Christ Jesus. Amen.